This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> My name is Eugene Levy, and um, I feel absolutely delighted about being Conan O'Brien's friend. I too. Well, my name's not Eugene, but my name is Catherine O'Hara. And I too feel flattered and honored that you would consider me your friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school. Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I'm trying to be more professional. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. You see, why? It just doesn't work, does it? I'm so sorry. It's just not good, right? It just right? doesn't sound right. Your well, uh, hey there, uh, Conan O'Brien here. That's <laughs> yeah, nice. that's good. Okay, I'll try it that way. Just Conan O'Brien here. and uh, Rephrase it. it. If you want to come in at a different angle, you can't. Me, Conan, it's a friend I need. <laughs> me, Conan, friend I want. Friend for me, Conan. Conan, friend, see? That's how we'll do it from now on. I just, I have to say, I'm having a blast doing this podcast. What a silly thing. After over 110 years in broadcast television, suddenly I'm talking into a, a microphone in uh, a very small room uh, and having a blast. Uh, and I'm helped, as always, by my trusty assistant, Sona Movsesian. Hey, Sona. Hello. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. This is the most professional you and I are all day. <laughs> I know. It uh, is. We were probably throwing fruit at each other an hour ago. <laughs> I think we were. And then I'm here with uh, Matt Gorley. Matt, how are you? Hi, guys. Good. Uh, everything good? Yeah, very good. How about you? I'm very well. Thank you. Uh, we're 
This is nice. We're all yeah. being very professional and kind to each other. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. No, 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 no. I don't think I don't think that's the right way to look at maybe, this. Maybe at we all. grew out of that. Maybe we did. Maybe oh. 2020 is the year when we all respect each other and act like professionals. I like this. It's yeah. cool. So, Sona, I do want to announce. I'm very excited that after a long search, it looks like you're getting a home. It is. We should be closing tomorrow. Escrow. We can't say exactly where it is. Obviously, that mm-hmm. would be wrong. Thirty-five twelve. <laughs> no, 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 no. Lahuga no. Street. No, don't get Lahuga. Lahuga Street in uh, Los Cayos Noches. No, oh my God. Is it less, uh, there's whole parts of LA that I don't know. You've never been. And I and I, so I always just they all sound like uh, you know like uh, yeah over there by Eaglestone. It's up the road from Noces Noches Calabros. You and your two friends used to do something cool, which I think used to help you explore the city, which is you would go to restaurants that were yes. that were established before you were born. Quick shout oh. out to my posse. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Greg, I know who your posse is. Greg Daniels and Rodman Flender. I've, these have been my friends for like your bros, my bros for 35 years, I think. And uh, we have this rule in LA, a tradition which we did for a long time, which is we would meet up and go to a restaurant. The rules were none of us could have been there before. And the restaurant had to have been in operation before we were born. Wow. So we'd go to these places from the 50s and the 40s and the 30s and the 20s, and we would go downtown. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just fascinating. Places, you know, that like cops would hang out in in the 40s. Be like, oh, yeah, that's where you get a cup of mud, a cup of, <laughs> yeah. cup of joe, and a side of beef. Where people were like murdered in. Yeah, yeah. Right? Plenty, there were a lot of murders while we were there. Uh, we would go to these places. <laughs> you murdered. And we were all, we would do the murdering. And, but we would go to all these places, and it was uh, really a fun tradition. And then for some reason, I can't remember, it just petered out. I think we were attacked at one point. <laughs> Are you talking remember. like Musso and Frank in that kind of place? Or? Yeah, but we, yeah. Would, but we would it would get even more eclectic than that. Oh. It would be like... These places where, you know, it's an old elevator car that is on its side. And what do you mean it's an elevator car? There was an elevator that fell out of a building and it landed in a lot. And then uh, they make, they serve clam soup. Clam soup? What's, you mean chowder? No, clam soup in an elevator. Wait, so why would you get you go there? And the whole idea is they're rude to you. And the soup isn't good and you get sick. But everyone does it. And there's sawdust on the floor. So... We'd literally go to places like that. <laughs> literally. Yeah. We would go to places like that. And sometimes it was a terrible idea, and sometimes the place was kind of cool. And they're all from that era when menus were about eight feet by four feet and made yeah. of this heavy, heavy plasticized paper. And, they and, would, and the waiters and waitresses are all very old, they're aren't very they? They're very old. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. A lot of them voted for Warren Harding. <laughs> um, and they're like, what do you want? I got to go and... Vote for Coolidge. You're like, what? No. <laughs> anyway, I'll have the you'll have the clam soup. <laughs> Isn't it chowder? It's not chowder. There's no milk in there. <laughs> anyway, I'll take you guys there sometime. I think you'd like it. I should probably uh, get down to business, right? That's what we're here for. Yeah. yeah. Well, my guest today, very excited. Two hilarious actors whose working relationship goes back. 40 years. They got their start on SCTV, one of the greatest shows of all time. They went on to star in such films as Waiting for Guffman, For Your Consideration, and A Mighty Wind. Now you can see them on the hit pop TV series, Everyone Loves the Show, Shit's Creek, which is currently airing its sixth and final season. I am so excited they're here with us today. Uh, they are heroes of mine. Mm-hmm. 
Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. Welcome. First of all, I'd like to point out that I've had you both to my home. Yes. Very recently. Yes. Well, I'd say you're my friend, but I didn't know you thought I was your friend. I didn't I'm say I was yet. Oh, sorry. Yes. Okay. No, that's the what, thing. That's, that's why that I, I almost said uh, I feel somewhat uncomfortable. Catherine, it's a great <laughs> honor that needs to be earned <laughs> to be well, my friend. I'm going to keep working on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, up, I'm up to the challenge. I'm going to keep. I can, do, I can do that in four days, Cody. Yes. You think in four days you could win my friendship? in four days. <laughs> Okay, three and a half days. <laughs> three and a half days. I can become days. your friend in three and a half yeah. days, Conan. Wow, people have tried. It sounds like one of those hokey movies where they say you can inherit the fortune, but you have to spend a night in the... Ma- There's always a thing, a stupid reason. Mean, that's a why Me they- Too thing, actually. Yeah, oh, uh, oh, really? Okay, all right, forget that. Forget that. <laughs> you are right. can't inherit a fortune, but first you have to spend the night. <laughs> in a haunted... My- no, it was a haunted <laughs> mansion was where I was going. I didn't... But you took it in a Me Too I'm movement. I'm sorry, I watched Well, getting back, getting back to the friend thing here. Yes, okay. Like, this is Eugene's a very this is us. a very difficult thing to start with because you know in all honesty yes you're kind of it's kind of an un, I mean what is your circle of friends it's not like? wide it's if, not wide it's yes, not wide who would we be joining so then I I don't feel <laughs> that I would necessarily and I know I have been to your home a beautiful home thank yeah. you but I wouldn't saying that you are Conan O'Brien's friend takes a lot of balls when you're not really in that inner circle of friends. Well, it no- would be. I'd be more comfortable saying, and I and I, I feel good about being Conan uh, O'Brien's acquaintance. Okay, well, that's because just Because I don't feel well, close. What do you think, Kathy? No, I, I, I was love. in your home, but I'm not sure you knew I was there at the time. I knew you were there. <laughs> oh, okay. I found you eventually. <laughs> yeah. She hid in my wife's closet. Well, you kept ignoring her, and she I said, well, nice. what is this? <laughs> I thought they were friends. <laughs> We had, uh, I'll just clarify this, a Christmas party, a lot of people there. Of course, I'm the consummate host, so I'm running from person to person. Yes. I didn't get to talk uh, to just about anybody. But I think, actually, almost every time I've seen you guys, Martin Short's there. <laughs> Martin Short, yeah. and it's almost like, it's almost this rule that if you were on SCTV and you're one of the gods of Canadian comedy, you must all travel together. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of how, you know, the president's not supposed to travel with the vice president. <laughs> and the Secretary of State, because if something, God forbid, happened, then uh, the chain of command would be wiped out. I mean, half of uh, Canadian comedy would be devastated if the three of you were in an elevator that went down at the same time. Well, Do you that's, understand? That's the hope, that if something happened, <laughs> that, that the three of us, at least being surrounded by others, yes. you know, if you're alone, maybe it'll just, you know, there's bigger news that day. But if yeah. it's three of us, we have a chance. Of being, uh, you know, and Marty's b- Marty's big fear would just be the headline would read: "Pointy-headed nerd goes in, <laughs> dies in elevator." Or Eugene Levy, Martin Short, and friend. <laughs> yes, I don't think so. Martin <laughs> Short and nerdy newsman <laughs> die in terrible. <laughs> All that was and I wasn't even there. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I said friend and at cla- least. <laughs> well, just, no, just, no, just in that in that right scenario, out. Catherine. Yeah. In that scenario, Catherine, you got out alive. You survived. Oh, yeah. Oh, and all God they found, is. they found, uh, they found your eyebrows, Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> that was all that was found at the scene. Well, yeah, and a bulldozer actually, <laughs> you know, kind of picking them up. So I, uh, <laughs> you know, I was. Uh, <laughs> I first met you guys. Uh, it was a huge thrill for me. It was 
a long time ago in the 90s at the Aspen Comedy Festival. Oh, yes. And I was my dream come true because no show meant more to me when I was a youngster who was fascinated with comedy. Uh, SNL, Saturday Night Live was all the rage. And then this show came on SCTV that wasn't even broadcast uh, in we're, we're in this, I think I discovered the show in the summer, and technically it was not broadcast in Rhode Island. We stayed at our grandfather's house, but there was a TV station, a TV tower in Buffalo that was picking it up yeah. off of Toronto. Yeah. And we could, my brother positioned the antenna and found this show, this magical show. And he woke me up and he said, You have to see this. And so we, that's what got me indoctrinated into it. And I really thought they're making this show for me. That's they're great. Mi- they're like, and then I remember then I got to go to Aspen, and this was my out of body experience. They asked me, "Would you host the SCTV reunion?" I said, "What are you talking about? The fact that I get to be in the same room with these people <laughs> is an absolute mind blowing experience." Mm-hmm. I had the experience, and you guys were lovely. You were just absolutely lovely. You were very nice to me. You made us feel so welcome, and you told a story like that and made us feel like same story. I have one us. story, Kat. Well, because it's the truth, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a true story. It's no, true you did. Story. You made us feel so welcome and and proud of our work. And now you you remind you make me feel. Proud and honored that you have the same memory of us the way uh, as I had of uh, discovering for myself, thinking I was the only member in the audience along with my sister's was Monty Python when yes. I was in high school watching Monty Python. And to think that anyone felt that way, wow. thank you, watching Well, no, show, that's, that's, what ha- see, that's what happens is in, in comedy, uh, I, I do think that there's this magical thing that happens, and not just comedy, music, obviously, and, and throughout different art forms, but people get together and they make something and the best is when they almost think nobody's watching. Yeah. And I yeah. think you guys had this attitude, which is, well, we're not starting out live. And every, that's getting all the attention right now. We're here. We're in Toronto. We didn't even know anybody was watching the show. I mean, we're, we would go in, tape the show. And then, you know, in, the, in our very first season, <clears throat> it was just local. It was only in Toronto. It wasn't anywhere else. It was just like a... Uh, on global right. maybe television, we, we didn't even assume uh, they'd be watching. Uh, right, and we, <laughs> we would didn't. go. We would go in and you know tape the show and then go home and have dinner. I mean, it was like it wasn't you know it's not it wasn't like SNL where those guys went in and all of a sudden they've got New York City at their feet. It was just a job. You'd go in and do it and then go home and, and do whatever you want. And then and then this uh, thing around about the second season, the show did get syndicated to forty markets in the states. And I guess you were picking it up on maybe the Buffalo thing. Yeah, we, getting it, we were getting it in this weird, convoluted way. And my brother, Neil, is a savant at knowing, I mean, to this day, he still uses TV antennas. No one uses them anymore. <laughs> he still uses TV antennas to pick up stray signals. And he's, you know, he's watching shows... You know that are from Ghana or something. And oh, right. They're not on his head. No, no. no. Well, well, sometimes <laughs> he then takes the antenna out for dinner and they have a romantic. Yeah. But uh, it's but you two guys. It's how I got to know you two guys. John Candy, first time I saw him, uh, and Joe Flaherty, yeah. and. Uh, 
Dave Thomas. Uh, Dave Thomas, of course, uh, and Andrea Martin. Yes. Well, you you do it. <laughs> why, I'm sorry, why, I didn't, I didn't want you to feel people. you had to come up with the names. Yeah, yeah. But continue. Very, very nice. No. And and uh, she's just doing it quicker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm terrible. So cruel, Eugene. So cruel. I'd expect that from Martin Short, but not you. Well, I just came off co-hosting Ellen, so I'm. Oh wow! Yeah. You just dropped a name. Can I pick that up for you? Ah. <laughs> You're talking about the Ellen Pompeo show. This uh, <laughs> very little known show. Uh, no one else wants. Yeah, it was Canadian. 30, the Ellen McDougal 50 show. Season. You were trying to say something. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, I, I'm often trying to say something. It never happens. But <laughs> what's interesting is that you, the the show was uh, launched all of you guys, and then I find out much later on, and Martin Short also on the on the show, and Rick Moranis, and I, and I find out much later on that. You guys all kind of knew each other before because you'd had this other life beforehand where you're in this, you're, you're in Godspell. Isn't well, Who's that's in Godspell? Where we, yeah, a that lot was, of you met in Godspell. He, yes, we met, Marty and I, of course, grew up in the same town. We went to school together. In fact, Marty knew my sister before we ever met. Uh, in fact, I think they, they dated it sounded like he knew your sister before you knew your sister. Uh, That's what it just sounded like. He, no. He, <laughs> How large a family was this? Marty introduced me to my well, sister. You know, you know Marty. Uh, so, that, so we went to school together. We, we, we became really good friends in, uh, in university at McMaster University back in our hometown of Hamilton. Ontario, Canada. And uh, we auditioned. I went out. Marty was still going to school, finishing his final exams mm -hmm. at McMaster. I had already dropped out. Mm -hmm. And I went to audition for Godspell. And I remember calling Marty saying, boy, you've got to come out and audition for this. This would be because a musical. You're, you know, he says, well, I'm writing my finals. I said, I, I think you should come out and just do it. So he did. We get into the show. And that's where we meet Victor Garber, mm -hmm. and that's where we meet Gilda Radner, and mm -hmm. that's uh, we, I already knew Andrea Martin. I'd worked with Andrea. Um, I introduced Andrea to Marty at the Godspell auditions, and uh, so that we got into Godspell. Now Gilda yeah. was going out with Catherine's brother Marcus mm -hmm. at that time. It is the most and, it is the most incestuous <laughs> group. This Canadian this Canadian mafia. But that's that's yeah. how I Marty stole her away from Marcus. Oh uh, really? Yes, the dirty thing. What a dog. I know. Yeah. Well, that's where I first met Catherine as Marcus's sister, who would come to Godspell and then we'd, you know, see, see each other kind of at a party after the show. And shortly after that, uh, Catherine got into the second city in Toronto. I got a call back for Godspell, but I didn't get in. Oh, okay. I don't think I knew that. It's okay. You didn't quite no, have it, Catherine. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have it. That's been proven and I was in over high time. School. Yeah, I been, was in high school. At the you time. were too young. Robin uh, Duke and I got tickets though for Godspell from from yeah. Gilda Radner, and we got to hang out with the. Cast. I love that. That's probably on your so resume cool. somewhere. I got tickets to Godspell. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's really what's really what's, I'm still bragging about it. It's <laughs> really amazing. <laughs> that's really sad. So what's amazing to me is that this. <laughs> I think it very is. It's very akin to what happened in England in the late '60s with the Pythons, where you get right. this group of like-minded people bumping into each other in college, and they all are in sketches together, and they all kind of know each other. And later on, you yeah. hear because I, I talked to Eric Idle recently on this program, 
And he was like, oh yeah, no, we, they all knew each other. They all knew each other. And you hear it later on and it sounds absurd. What do you mean you, you know, you bumped into John Cleese <laughs> yeah. and then you guys both then bumped yeah. into Michael Palin. What do you yeah. mean you bumped into each other? It sounds stupid later on. Well, like, we all worked together in the Second City Theater. Yeah, we, yeah. you know, at different times working in, yeah. d- in the same company. So we, that's where these friendships started. And then we kind of did seven years of, of SCTV. And then we, you know, Catherine and I, you know, did a lot of projects after that. You but, keep hiring me, thank you. Uh, well, and there's, <laughs> yeah. a, there's a good reason for that. And, but, you know, but I won't go into over-complimenting you here no, because you, you really, really hate that. Yeah. Do it. So don't I'm not going to do it. Acknowledging that you've given me a lot of jobs. Thank but you. it's funny getting back to the Python thing because I remember when Python came on in night I believe it was 1972 we got it in 71 it's it started in England in uh it's 69 is when it starts in England but it doesn't get here for a while and then right. you guys probably got it we got it before you you're before a commonwealth the, yeah. before yeah. you got it right <laughs> yeah. so we got it in 71 70? and 71? that was the Thursday nights at 10:30 that's you had to be in front of the TV and what is this bizarre show what are these bizarre references what are these strange names and when SCTV came on the air, um, I'm not necessarily sure that it was a kind of a bizarre Canadian thing that made things different or whether it was just a second city sensibility in the comedy. But I think I think the Toronto second city was different than the Chicago second city. Right. Yeah. Here's the thing that is interesting to me is that you look at these formats, like one of the things I think the the – Nuclear bomb blast, uh, the, the, the revelation of Monty Python was things should go on as long as they're funny. And the minute they're not funny anymore, they should switch to something else. They said now for yeah. something completely different. Right. right. Uh, or this sketch go- isn't working. This isn't working, yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, what you guys did was you said we're a TV station. So you'd have interactions, but the minute you had explored what's funny about this, you could cut to a commercial and the commercials were commercial parodies. Right. So the structure of it meant things can be, uh, they can exist for as long as they're funny. And right. the minute they're not funny anymore, or we've, we don't enjoy playing with this toy anymore, we're right. done. Right. And I think that's the thing that you guys hit on. I think it's one of the things that because Sonnet Live's live, obviously tons of brilliant moments, but if something's not working, it still has to go on for nine minutes sometimes. And trust me, yeah. I wrote some of that shit. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I knew sometimes like, oh my God, this is I, this is too long. It doesn't have a good ending. Yeah, it's live. I mean, I always felt bad. I always felt bad when, when people compared the two shows. Well, this show is oh, it's funnier than SNL. I mean, this is back in the, what, early 80s when right. we... When we On uh, one night? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> huh? uh, no, but I mean, there were, there were always comparisons and I'd say, but, but, but this is a live, this is a live show. Our show is a post-produced show. It's so much harder now to experiment and try different things and take chances and learn on the job without having a world of opinion yes, come after yes. you. Whereas we were allowed before the internet to try things and make mistakes you and know, really just take chances and learn how to do what you were doing. I wanted to start off talking about SCTV because it meant so much to me. One of the things that all of you, not just you two, but everyone in that initial group 
uh, one of the reasons. Us. But mostly, <laughs> I mean, you guys more than all the rest, including Marty, who has insulted me so many times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Marty uh, loves to say to me, uh, Conan, whatever you're uh, doing uh, to your face, I say do 20% more and then stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great, great Canadian insult. Like it's under the guise of Conan. It's constructive. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's cheerful and encouraging, <laughs> and uh, and awful at the same time. But um, one of the things that I think is really nice is that you've got these fans who don't need to know anything about SCTV, but they can know uh, Guffman, or yeah. they can just know Schitt's Creek, and it's their favorite thing. You know, I mean, what's happened with Schitt's Creek is absolutely lovely because yeah. it's always been a really funny show, and then it's just grown and flourished. Yeah. And so to the point that my friend Sony here, my assistant, is nervous today to be in the room with you. <laughs> and was all was well, she's acting. over that by now. I mean. Yeah. And I said, well, Sony, you're around <laughs> me no, all not. the time. Yeah. Oh, no, An incredible, incredible start. It's the same thing, right? No, not at yeah. all. No, really. No. But no. this is. Way more excited to be in a room with you. And them. I cannot oh. tell you how many times I have walked out. And this is, I'm, sounds like a joke, but I'm not joking. I've gone to Sona at her desk to ask her to do something important for me. And she's got her <laughs> headphones on and she's watching. Is this true? I am. Yeah. I've rewatched it several times. Often I just watching really love it. Shit's yeah. Creek. Wow. Multiple times. And pretty much telling me to wait until you're done with the episode. <laughs> I'll be with you in a minute. To get my heart medication. My priorities oh, no. are in order. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. No. But Shades I, Creek funny. first, you know, Conan, Conan second. Conan first. Yeah. Yeah. Conan but that, first, always. But, you know, this is, this is the thing that people uh, dream of, which is you've got these bodies of work, both of you together, separately. You've got these bodies of work, things that you've done that have been like, oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's great. I, I love you in this, I love you in that, but they are completely separate. People don't need to even, now, people like me, I know, SCTV, but it's not necessary. I there, hope everyone goes out and sees a, that, but isn't that nice? No, there's a big chunk. It's nice chunk. to be alive and yeah. still working. Yeah. yeah. A big Sorry. chunk of our you just Schitt's Creek it. audience. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine just said it's nice to be alive and still working. Well, okay, so. so why should I talk anymore? I'm sorry. It's nice to be alive. It's still working. So you remember when you named things okay. that we did years ago, and yeah. then you mentioned that we're still working, and that somebody like Sona would care yeah. and watch. I'm sorry, it makes me feel grateful to be alive. Go well, on, Eugene. Yeah, we're all, we're all, yeah, we're all grateful. No, well, not everyone. All, Some people we're all are alike very in depressed. That respect. Right. I, I, I think there's probably a lot of people out there are like. Uh, not Sona, who's uh, a big fan, Catherine, and knows your other work, but they just, knowing you from Shit's Creek, they don't know how you really speak. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great, you found, you're, you, I, I want to talk about your character because uh, Moira is just so, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out how you channeled that accent. <laughs> because it's so beautifully bizarre. But she's not someone who's from England. <laughs> She's, no. She sounds like someone who's just completely made herself up. Is that true? Yeah, even when I when I read or hear, oh, you're doing Mid-Atlantic, it's not Mid-Atlantic. <laughs> or you're doing 19th. It's not. I don't even know what I'm doing. But as soon as anyone tries to name it, I think, no, that's not it. Because I've never really, I never had an actual idea of what it was going to sound like. <laughs> right. And um, uh, I had a vague idea, and I've met uh, lots of uh, people who have reinvented themselves. I think of Madonna. I was, I'm not doing Madonna, but sometimes I hear a bit of 
of Madonna in that, in Moira. Um, but you know, remember how for a while she was English? Oh no, for yeah. a while she turned into Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, hello, oh, good night. Oh, hello, God of some fishing ships. Oh, cool, you know, and you were like, what happened? I love her nerve though. I love people that will just, yeah, this is who I am now. What do you, uh, what? And you That's and a nice way. That's a very a nice way to say it. No, but people, people were going insanity. on about it like, what the fuck? When did she become British? And then I'm st- I can't complain about it anymore. So yeah. I'll just let her be. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the world gave up and she continued. And so I, there are people that She are, changed now. She is oh, a, yeah, a, she's a World War One Prussian <laughs> officer. <laughs> no, seriously, I've seen her in concert. She wears oh, a spiky helmet and uh, <laughs> she comes out and she says, yeah, they must have all <laughs> it's true. And no one's going to question her. No one questions her now. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it it down I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Brian Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self Setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. Come on, if most people are being honest, 
No one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. There's a great um, Kathleen Turner was on the Tonight Show or something years ago, mm -hmm. and she came on and suddenly she was Brazilian or something, and there was no explanation. Oh. Right, oh, you've got to find it. It's on, of course, it's on the internet. Um, but there's, but, but the thing I also um, unintentionally did as more because I had no actual plan is that um, if you really listen, it's completely inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, and, it changes crazily. Yeah. And I think at the beginning I thought, well, I think I thought um, that Moira would kind of put that on, you know, with townsfolk and with my family I'd be a little more natural. And that kind of happened in a, because when I tried to actually, actually relate to people, <laughs> which I needed to do in scenes, especially in family scenes, I would find it seemed like I'd had a stroke or something, and <laughs> and I couldn't actually. I was trying to keep up the acts, you know, whatever the accent was, and and I would lose it. Eugene, every day of all six seasons, almost every day, would have to remind me in the middle of the day, say, Moira, what's your favorite movie? The Aviator. <laughs> the Aviator. <laughs> so thank you, Eugene. And that gets you back in. That was it. That gets you back in. The Aviator. I'd go on the set and just say, uh, Catherine, favorite movie? Thank you. Aviator. Now, you know, when we started, we did the – but this was the, the again, the fantastic touch that – that Catherine came up with when we started the show because we did a little presentation pilot mm -hmm. with a and a lot of different cast members when we uh, shot it here and there was no uh, dialect or no. whatever it was no. a character you yeah, really yeah, didn't whatever, really yeah. care that much kind about you and also, but you did it as a favor yeah. and and then when we started the actual series you know she came in with these great ideas what if there was a Dialect. What if Moira kind of talked like this? Mm -hmm. As I said, gold, beautiful. That's great. Right. It's great. And what if she wore wigs? The wigs. Yeah, wigs for 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 the different moods that she was in. I was really okay. Yes. I told you, yes. Gene. I found I have all the old emails that Eugene and I exchanged before we shot got into shooting the series. And he's, you know, and we, we're turning into our characters because I was saying, Eugene, you have to make me feel, okay, I, my whole life is upended. I'm in a, in a motel. And Eugene said, it's okay. We're going to work it out. It's all going to be good. You'll be taken care of. You'll be allowed to feel. He's like turning into Johnny and I'm turning into Moira. <laughs> <laughs> Eugene, you have to let, but also about the wigs in one of the emails. Eugene, what if I, you know, I had a friend that kept going, disappearing. 
preparing at dinner and coming back with wigs and ta-da. And uh, what if I wear a lot of... And he emailed back, <clears throat> um, talked to the hair department. Could you pick maybe two wigs? One would be for dressing up. One would be <laughs> for when you're in a bad mood. Uh-huh. And perhaps a turban. Like... <laughs> No, Eugene, you don't understand. I didn't even know what I had in mind, but it was like, no, don't say now how many I have to wear. Uh, I want to get there and find so out. So you were worried about cost, Eugene. <laughs> yes, he's a producer. I'm yeah. a producer on the and show. time. I'm a producer. Well, but I love, I love the way you actually did an impersonation of my email, <laughs> where you, you start out with a throat clearing. <laughs> well, I... Uh, you have an emoji for that, don't you? <laughs> an emoji of a, of a yeah. medical camera, whatever they're called, of your throat. One of the things that... And, and, you know, as you watch Schitt's Creek over the seasons, you can see your... Uh, and I think it's the, the writer is having a lot of fun with Moira, oh, yeah. your speeches get longer and more, uh, you know, and, and, and they're, they're sort of more grand <laughs> about nothing, about oh, yeah. literally like a hot plate, well, you know? I, I think Daniel would uh, back me up on this, that they would write great speeches and great dialogue, and I would get hold of them mm-hmm. <laughs> and go through my books, Foyle's Falavery and Foyle's Further Falavery mm-hmm. and Mrs. Burns' Dictionary. Amazing books full of arcane, archaic words. Oh, this is re- this and is I great. would floralize, oh. Moira floralize. What? Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And but that I also got the 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 you know the writers. Oh uh, yeah, like, then they were trying to top each other. Ooh, ooh. So <laughs> then the speeches would get yeah. written, you know, more flowery. And yeah. then even more flowery, yep. you would take it and, and oh, yeah. I had go through it and do your little do your little revision. I was greedy. I wouldn't give Daniel a copy of uh, Foyle's Flavery until the fifth season. <laughs> uh, Dan, Daniel, uh, meaning my son Daniel, yes. who is the uh, showrunner and, and and also on the show, uh, yeah. playing playing uh, your son, playing my son. Great stretch. As, yeah. Yes. <laughs> is that what's that like working with your son? Is he ever you know? It's uh, pain in the ass. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> no, I don't no. Want to work so with anyone the, I'm related to. Yeah, no one I'm related big, to will work with me. Yeah, uh, big pain in the ass. I'm a, I'm a dad, and I, I, you know, when I say something, I want I want somebody to say, okay, dad, we'll do it your way. That doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> no, they're <laughs> freaky gentlemen, the two of them. They, uh, they no, it's been it's been unreal, uh, to be honest. It was, and and the you know the the critical. I mean, he's done an amazingly brilliant job on the show uh, in so many ways. But my the the big uh, turning point for me was the learning when to just step back, you know, and which happened maybe early in the first season of just realizing, wait a minute, he's got it all under control here. Why do I feel I have to, you know, be mentoring something that he's already got? He's way past where I am. Right. So, all right, go ahead. It's yours. It's good. Do it. This is not, honestly, not just a dad talking. Daniel's like freaky born to do this. Really so confident and such a great writer and open to ideas, not threatened by ideas at all. Just he's so confident in what he knows to be, you know, to work, what's going to work. And really funny in character and just, it's, it was also Also doing, walking that really fine edge of very funny, but, uh, when the show first started, I thought it would be easy to dismiss these people as caricatures, but you believe in their friendships. You yeah. actually believe that they care about each other, which 
you know, years ago when I was working on The Simpsons, I used to get lectured. I just wanted to write crazy, funny things happening. And I would get lectured, you know, you've got to remember, it's a family. That's great. And they love each other. And I would think, what, the, what is this What's shit? <laughs> what is this shit? Because I had like a giant pompadour and long sideburns. And I was the hot comedy writer, 28 Conan O'Brien. Yeah. And I, I acted like my name was like Blaze Willington, you know. <laughs> I've come to town to write hardcore comedy. And finally bumped the Simpsons up a notch. And I don't give a shit about who loves who and who cares about who. And then, of right. course, I'm, I'm dealing with these <clears throat> incredibly talented showrunners who are, tell, who are teaching me, no, that has to be the underpinning to the whole thing, or you've got nothing. No, that love comes from Daniel. And I bet I'd say that comes from his father, too. His family, his upbringing. Well, it was, yeah, and it really happened from season to season. I mean, the first season was the, you know, the fish out of water scenario on Mm -hmm. on Schitt's Creek, and you had to kind of lay that out, how uncomfortable they are in their new surroundings, and meeting all these townspeople and everything kind of, that's how you lay it out. And then once that was all laid out in the first season, you could then just relax and get into relationships you can let things play out and just have two people in a scene for you know five minutes and it's about how people are getting to know each other so i think one of the interesting things is that there are some people that might think oh these people work so well with each other they've known each other so long it's improvised and and no it's not it is not improvised right and uh i know that you're very emphatic about saying no we like to get it just right. It doesn't mean you can't use improv to try and find things. Right. Absolutely. But yeah. I do see people, sometimes I'll watch a movie, a comedy, or a TV show where I can tell they're improvising and everyone's cracking up on the set. Right. Yeah. It's a little a trick. Yeah. And I used to Too work, loose. I used to, Okay. <laughs> um, well, who's got now, a pen? for a lot of I our young listeners, uh, that was hand, a Toulouse-Lautrec could, reference. Could you hand me that pen? I want to and, get that um, You were saying so, he's been in business for a while. Uh, is it okay if I no. just talk to Catherine? <laughs> <laughs> is there a way we could put like a cardboard box over Eugene as a punishment time? I'm, a punishment time. I'm, I apologize You have to that. earn your way out Honest, of a honestly, Toulouse-Lautrec I, job. I, no, I, I apologize. Honestly, I apologize for That's that. Great. That was a horrible uh, thing. And I, I just halted an entire flow of... Whatever it was uh, that was, um, well, it was terrible. Uh, yeah. You had to be listening. Uh, and improv's about listening, and then <laughs> yeah, and then, <laughs> and then yeah. going for the Toulouse Lautrec joke. Uh, <laughs> that was, that's it. If, when can I get it in now? Yeah. That's the. If uh, I had a nickel, that's, in the middle of every improv, uh, Gene yeah. would come out with the Toulouse joke. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone? Someone uh, call for Toulouse Lautrec? Uh, no, but, no one called for Toulouse Lautrec. No, well, I say, oh wait, I said it wrong. I go back and come on stage again. I have a. This was the opportunity. Right here, because you know I don't get to use that that often. You no, know? no, I can. I can it's see. one of those lines uh-huh. when somebody's like to list, like somebody's saying, uh, "Oh, are you comfortable?" I say, "Well, I make a living." Um, you, you, uh, so when somebody says to lose work, all, already this is like, "Oh, the, you're not a good man." No, no, this is this is like, no. I thought he was trying to read. Conan's I thought he was one of those guys. Really, that was just, but he's I not. Just, I really want to focus on Catherine he's as much not. as I. Can. He's not really as funny as I thought he was. Uh, you know, and also people are seeing you the, uh, the, without the eyebrows. Uh, you use them so beautifully. They're such a gift. They, I think they, yeah. they think there's a seven inch rise and fall <laughs> with your eyebrows, like the Cookie Monster. Wouldn't it be it's, sad if you got Botox? Oh my God! Oh, oh, if they didn't move, they I were won't. just kind of up on the side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, you know, she did. Gee, what's <laughs> well, 
This is. If you got an incredible amount of surgery oh and they pulled your head back too, so that the, they were right up oh. at your hairline, that would be fantastic. Oh, he replace even... a balding hairline with. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just dreading turning 93. <laughs> Don't you worry. I don't know what You've this, got nine years. I don't know what this face is going to look don't like. Don't worry about it. Uh, so, improvisation. Oh, please. Why are you, you're like a dean trying to get control of the rowdy frat house. I, that's where I cut you now off. Now everybody, my... you know, it's so funny. I can tell that you're a Jack Benny, a uh, huge Jack Benny fan. Because you've got yeah. some, uh, and if you don't know Jack Benny, goddamn, he was the funniest person. Uh, yes. One of the three funniest people of the 20th century. Yeah. And, uh, but you've got a little bit of that. Well, now let's all just calm down. Yeah. I loved Jack Benny. Yeah. Jack Benny, and the, I, I watched his show Gleason, Benny, and Sid Caesar back in the 50s. But Benny was just, here was the, the beautiful thing about Jack Benny, who was a comedian, had his own show, started out in vaudeville, then went right. into radio and then television. He surrounded himself with very funny people, and every which turned out to be a formula for a lot of successful shows. The person in the center is kind of the straight guy, and you surround yourself with a lot of funny people, and Jack Benny would just get his laughs off something funny somebody else said, and then he would react right. for 20 seconds <laughs> yeah. off the line that somebody else said, yeah. and then another 20 seconds staring into camera. Right. Yeah. But it's fun. I mean, you are playing on Schitt's Creek. You're this consummate straight man, the world around you doesn't make sense, and you're trying the best you can, but a lot of it is your uh, reactions that are really fun to watch. I mean, I think this is the yeah. most straight man role you've probably played it's, in your career. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. And it's I, hilarious. Intentionally. Intentionally. Oh, intentionally, yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, you know, I thought Dumb and Dumber was a comedy, but I... <laughs> Uh, but later when I yeah. saw it, I was actually uh, pretty straight. Yeah. <laughs> Not true. I was just like, uh, you know, just mm, mustache, glasses, and playing with Sherry O'Terry. Mm. <laughs> 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 yes. But a classic straight man is hilarious. Yes. Right? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, so I, I love yeah. that, though. I love yeah. I was excited about doing that. I, I because I've never done it, I was always afraid to play myself. Like on SCTV, oh, yeah. I... I remember we did a piece on SCTV called Days of the Week, which I mm -hmm. wrote, and it was a soap opera. And I played a character called Dr. Sabian, and I it was just me. It was basically, <laughs> I didn't know makeup, like, I mean, no wigs and mustache. Mm -hmm. It was just me playing opposite uh, a second fiddle to John Candy's mm -hmm. Dr. Wainwright character. And I got so insecure that it was just me playing oh, opposite this feel, yep. great yep. character that I eventually wrote myself out of the soap <laughs> opera <laughs> because I just couldn't didn't want to be you do it anymore because right. I didn't want to be me. Yeah. So this was a big step for me playing straight playing and straight. and you know getting the exposition out, keeping everything on track. That ball doing it for 6 years. I just absolutely yeah. loved it and kind of relaxed into it in a way. Yeah. Now, Catherine, you've uh, one thing that fascinates me is that you've said that when in doubt, everyone has like their 
whatever their fallbacks, <laughs> but you've said when in doubt, play insane. <laughs> and I love that because I feel like you, you, I hear that quote and I think I believe that to be true. You, oh, me. You're, yeah. yeah, you're enormously talented at channeling this insanity. <laughs> uh, it, where does that come? I mean, I know that we have some similarities because we both come from huge Irish Catholic families. Yeah. How, How many, many kids in your family? Uh, I'm one of six. You're one of, yeah, I'm one of seven. Okay. I'm the six of seven. So oh, you're the six of seven. I was yeah. I was third of six. Oh, you're in the middle. Yeah, I was yeah. in the middle striving for, I will be heard. I'll show you all. <laughs> I guess I was too, wanting attention. Uh, is, everyone, is everyone funny growing up? Yes, everyone in my family is. Yeah. My yeah. mom would, uh, my dad would tell jokes from the office, you know, just, you know, set up punchline jokes, right. great ones. And my mom would tell stories, this is all at the dinner table, tell stories of, you know, things that happened to her that day, people she'd met, and she'd imitate them all. So hers was more character work, and he was doing stand-up. My dad was doing, yeah. But everybody in my family is funny, yeah. Uh, and and so you knew. You always knew that, like, uh, did you think this could be a career when you were a kid? Did you think this is something that could— that could? I, I I made my mom and dad laugh. This was my take yeah. on growing up Irish Catholic is there were so many ways that you weren't allowed to be free. <laughs> but if you're making people laugh, you get this license to really push it yeah. and go over the line. And in a way, I found that to be intoxicating. Like if I'm on a roll at the dinner table oh. or at the Sunday, we always had like a, we would gather on the kitchen table at 1230 on a Sunday and eat our Sunday meal at 1230 in the afternoon or one. And I would try and get going and see if I could get everybody laughing really hard. And I know that, uh, I think Bill Murray has said, yeah, that's the real training ground. It is. And yeah. I don't know if, I'm, I'm sure that's not just Irish Catholic. I'm sure it's true in uh, Jewish culture. I'm sure there are many cultures where they say like, yeah, this is where it gets started. You try and make Absolutely. people laugh around the table. It's definitely where it's encouraged. Yeah. Being funny was definitely encouraged in my home. Was it in yours? Were your parents funny? Yeah. Yeah. Parents yeah. are funny and they would really laugh. And it was just sort of like whatever tensions there from being Irish Catholic and there being way too many kids in a small space. <laughs> if you're uh, not laughing. You're, yeah. Who you're, clearly, and we were all born crippled. about four months apart. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's Irish, Irish yeah, triplets. It was, yeah, Irish quadruplets. It was really <laughs> medical <laughs> science is still studying uh, both my parents because uh, prolific. Yeah, yeah, yes, six very. kids in uh, in two years. So you um, knew then you wanted. You knew then. You I knew might that I no, I knew that I liked it, but I never thought for a second you could do this for a living. No, I didn't was, think for a second there was no way. I didn't think. I didn't think any. You can't do this for a living. And my dad's a microbiologist, yeah. and my mom's a. Yeah. you know, a state attorney. And I'm wow. like, oh yeah, I'm going to be in show business, see? <laughs> right. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. I didn't think that was going to happen. No. Eugene, spent, did you think that was going to happen? I never thought that was going to happen. And I spent, the more I, I went through, you know, university, I did a couple of, you know, plays and things in high school. It was high school. I wasn't trying to make people laugh in the family. It wasn't, wasn't like, I'll just, you know, I can, I can do that. Let's see if I can do that. But at a certain point in high school, I started writing, this uh, little this little book of odd little things, kind of like uh, I didn't realize kind of what what it re was reminiscent of until I read the John Lennon uh, book that came John out in '64, yeah. Spaniard in the Works. Yep. Oh yeah, uh, and sort of so word it was play like and yeah, wordplay yeah. and things you know like like weird little things you know uh, insecticides you know. <laughs> Spider, spider, spin your web, clean your cleats and scratch your head. Don't eat figs, tomatoes, or spaghetti. Just lie around and throw confetti. By E. Levy. I put it at the bottom. 
you know? Wow. Uh, 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 ode to a Frenchman. Oui, oui, menon. So tell n'est pas comme si, comme ça. He, he, ha, ha. By E. Levy. <laughs> See, and today, the, they'd, today they'd put you on Ridlin. And, they'd put you on a heavy dose of Ridlin, and, and they'd monitor you carefully. And, and I called the book Poetry, Pros, and Cons. And then the oh book was passed around the high school, and then people started, and then you were re- started reading it. And, Started reading it, and and that was it. They said, oh, this guy's, like, really funny. And then that was it. And then yeah. somebody said, run for president. And then, you know, so I could make these great, funny posters. And I thought, oh, I could run for president, put all these things up on big posters. And all the plays I started doing in university, uh, working with Marty and Dave, we all became friends, and did a lot of that stuff. Never once did I think, this is what I should be doing for a living. Right. It never occurred to me you could do this for a living. No, I, it was I, just something I loved to do, and it wasn't until I had to drop out of school for the second time because I just wasn't going to classes I that to I got. A, I ended up getting a job on a on a um, on a on a film. Ivan Reitman also was, went to mm-hmm. McMaster. We were good friends, and so he I got a job on his first feature. If I hadn't got a job on his first feature, and if I if if there was no job opening, I think I got the last job available on his film, which was Coffee, Coffee Boy, mm-hmm. which he didn't want to give me because it only paid 60 bucks a week. If I hadn't got that job, I probably would have stayed in um, Hamilton mm-hmm. and, you know, ended up work, working in a yeah. t- <laughs> You'd have been Taylor definitely been shot. in pornography. He did yes. that with Ivan Reitman. Two pair of pants. <laughs> it's called Cannibal Girls. <laughs> <laughs> that's well. That's true. So we looked that up. Yeah. Is there an? There's, you did an obscure movie called do, Cannibal Girls. Well, Cannibal Girls was yeah 1971. But in let's look it up. Later, sorry. In university, we actually did kind of a a, 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 a porn-ish kind of a thing. You did porn kind of in college? Soft, soft, no, I would say Best soft, time. artsy kind of thing. Yeah, porn uh, we call it. Yes. <laughs> We were on our way to shoot a kind of a some nude thing on the beach. I wasn't in it. I was, uh, I was, I was, I wasn't in it. But I was working camera, and uh, oh. and that was the night they landed on the moon. We were on our way, and I remember what? listening. The, to the night that man landed on the moon. That's right. You were filming a pornographic film. <laughs> first things first. <laughs> What's the greater achievement? You right. might ask. Right. Good Lord! Yeah. And we all thought it would be the movie, One but it wasn't. Thing. It was it was the landing in the movie. That's incredible. That's all I'm going to think about now when yes. I see that footage of Neil Armstrong's foot yeah. hitting the surface of the moon. Yes, me. Is you operating on- a camera that probably has no film in it, you perv. Just so you could watch some naked people do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I got all yeah. I needed out of this interview. Really? Me too. Yeah. I'm frightened now. Did you even know any no, of this? I did not. No, you did not. No. See, you think you know a guy? Really? Here's my wish. My wish, and this is a real wish. Uh, you are the, some of the funniest group of people that have ever existed. All grew up uh, or came of age knowing each other in uh, Toronto or different areas of Canada. All I really know is Toronto and Vancouver. That was then, there's, then there's other areas. Now you're this like revered group of people, and you have this great tradition in Canada where they honor you. If you're a great person in the arts, you get this pin. And I know this because Martin Short, every time I see him, has his little pin (laughs) on his suit. Yeah. And I think you've all been honored, yes? Yes. Yes. And this is what I want. I want that honor. Aw. And I'm not from Canada. (laughs) 
But I do feel I've done a lot for Canadian comedy. Right. And uh, I don't think anyone would notice. Uh, we could say that I'm from some outer Saskatchewan, uh, some other province. I could write a letter on your behalf to yeah. try and get this thing in motion. The and only say that- reason I want it is it would make Martin Short so fucking pissed. <laughs> Yeah. If I started wearing, if I showed up at dinner, and I've actually pin. thought about getting, it's a, it's a very distinctive little discreet yes. pin that you all have because you're all knights of of, yeah. of genius it's in a, in in Canada. Yeah. And I thought this is this idea I had. I'm I'm kidding about actually getting one, uh, actually ever. Have, yeah, I'm not from made. there. Getting in a time machine. <laughs> but what I'm not kidding about is I do want to go to someone and have a replica made okay. and start wearing it around Marty. And just have him notice it and go, what is that? And go like, you know, it's incredible. But because I took my show during the middle of the SARS crisis to Toronto. They just gave um, it to me. He just gave it to me. <laughs> and he went, they gave it to you, but you're not. And I went, I know, but they made an exception and they sent it to me through the mail. <laughs> That's great. He would get so pissed. He would. He would be enraged. He's so proud. And, and you could do it. Is on it earlier. It's on your jacket I wore today, mine right? today, yeah. 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 Every you, day goes why by. don't you apply for citizenship? Mm. In are Canada? You, are you Irish? Are you dual? I'm, I can't be dual because you I think, think you're... No, it has to be your grandparents. Has my gra- it's not my grandparents. It's my, my great-grandparents. Yep, so I me. miss out. Me so me I can't too. get the dual citizenship. Then go for the Canadian. Sure. It'll take anyone. Get in line, though, right now. Yeah, but, that's but, good. But, uh, oh, another quick thing I forgot to ask that I have to ask is that there's a... All my writers adore you guys, and uh, one of them, who is Canadian, says that, and this may be lore, and tell me if it's lore or not, Eugene, but apparently, <laughs> according to legend, when you used to do improv, you had a hard time maintaining an accent, and then it would go in and out, and the legend is that people would say, say to you in a scene, where are you from again, sir? <laughs> And no. you would start changing. Now, I don't know if that's true. That is the legend according is to- Is that true? It's news to me. Well, no. Maybe that's the reason this story came up. I was doing scene uh, on the Second City uh, stage, uh, and uh, it was the last, it was uh, during an improvisation. We'd take suggestions, la da 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 and then we'd go back and work it out. So they came up with this idea of a uh, some kind of a, you know British uh, war scene- uh, and everybody's taking their parts, and I, I said, oh, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm really not good. Oh, no, 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 it'll be fine. Uh, and then you do this, you do this, and uh, Eugene, uh, you be the, the, the last guy and knock on the door. You can be the British doctor that kind of walks in. I said, I can't. Think. So they start the scene, and I wait till everybody is on stage doing their thing, and I knew it was the last scene of the night, and I just went home. <laughs> no! No! Now there's a team and, player. And there was no knock at the door. First rule right. of improv. Right. <laughs> yes. That's. Uh, they said that's you crazy. went home. I said, I'm not good at dialects. And you were home dreaming of a, a yes. life in pornography. Well, I've only done it a few times since. Um, I want to I thank you sincerely both for uh, being so consistently and brilliantly hilarious for so long and making so many people happy, uh, not least of all myself. And uh, I just, you know, and, and please, next time you come to my home, have the decency to speak to me. <laughs> I did. I had a I lovely conversation. A lovely was I mean, not lengthy, but it was you know, it was lovely. It was good. Well, I'm yeah. still intimidated. It was by nice. You. Bob yeah. Newhart was there. Yeah, Eric oh, Idle was there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and and um, Bob Newhart, hilarious. And then Marty uh, just insulting me constantly. He's become he's <laughs> well, become Don Rickles. He, is our was our, he always Don Rickles? Or did he uh, become Don? Yes. But now this, he really has just uh, the biggest load of jokes. <laughs> 
<laughs> ready to go. It goes, I remember it was like a couple years ago, I went to a Christmas party, thank you. And Marty came in and said, oh, my God, what a home. The wealth. The, the ostentatious, beautiful wealth. The taste. I don't understand. I've seen your work. Yeah. <laughs> and he said it a hundred times louder than I just said it. He's got a library. Out in the yard. Conan, I look at your home. It's, I mean, it's so beautiful. It's, it's magnificent. And it's so lovely. And, and then I look at... The amount of talent you have, and well, it just yeah. doesn't match. <laughs> and it's always a delight, but yeah. I'm like, literally, no. and and whenever my writers are around and he's going after me, they're so in heaven because no. he's no, yeah, because they, they love can't. it. They want it. Well, no, because they yes, they can. Because you would fire them. Tell the truth. I can't fire any of them. They have so much dirt on me, <laughs> right, Sona? Can I fire any? No, he can't fire anybody. Okay. No, so you have dirt. very little stop? power here. I have very little power at the Conan Show. <laughs> wow. Right, do you swear to stop watching Shit's Creek? Ever? No. No, I'll probably watch even more after having met the two of them. Yeah. So, sorry. Have you ever watched it high? Come on. (laughs) Is that a yes or no? Well, yeah, obviously. He's watched the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) She loves the colors of the podcast. All right. Uh, uh, I love you both. Uh, I know I don't want to make you uncomfortable by saying that, but I really do. You're very dear to me, and uh, this is uh, lovely that you came in. And uh, spoke to me. You've always been very, very uh, sweet uh, to us. We love the the idea that you always uh, tell us how much you were a uh, a fan of SCTV. Uh, that and then all the stuff means, since. I it mean, means a great yeah. deal, uh, you know, to us. And you're just so sweet about it. And you're so funny. And really such funny. a nice. Yeah. Why are Eugene's was... arms crossed for that whole lovely speech? <laughs> you can't see this, but his arms are crossed in a very defensive posture. You're uncomfortable with your emotions, sir. It's called he- acting. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. On the way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone. cuckoo there's this new thing called rap i don't know what's (laughs) happening anymore but guess what in a world full of change there's one thing that hasn't changed Mm -hmm. the great taste of miller light are you with me on this oh yeah i'm right there with you yeah and you know another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling yeah i hate a filling beer when i have a filling beer i just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days but not with miller light so what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it, it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. 
And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up. And I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I Then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. personally intrigued because we are scheduled to be working here uh, for a while. I don't actually consider this work. It's a joy, the podcast. But we're supposed to be doing this for a little while, and Sona seems agitated to go. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, I'm always intrigued when Sona has to be somewhere because oh. you don't seem like someone. I mean, Why? Not... What, do you, what do you mean? Well, because. I got things to do. I got places to uh, be. Okay. All right. That's fine. But w- what do you have to do? Yeah. Where do you have where to Where do you be? have to go? <laughs> I have to go to the Cheesecake Factory. No, no, wait. No, let me just let me just be clear. This is not a promotion. This is not a promotion. And you, full you, disclosure, my stepbrother, my dear stepbrother, is a general manager of the Cheesecake Factory. Okay. Okay, but this is not a promotion. No, no, this is, no. We're not no. getting any money from the Cheesecake Factory. No. Uh, but- I wish we were. Okay. Why, why do you seem anxious to get to the Cheesecake Factory? So I have these two friends that I have dinner with occasionally. What are Megan, their names? Megan Sinclair and Erica Brown, first and last names, just to make it even more embarrassing for them. Right. And we always get dinner and we think, where should we go eat? And we'll have a list of these amazing restaurants in L.A. And we always just end up going to the Cheesecake Factory. But listen to what you're saying. L.A., like New York, and maybe even more so than New York, now has some of the greatest cuisine, mm-hmm. some of the greatest restaurants. Amazing. And you choose always, always. the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, we love it. Okay. Can I tell you the thing about the Cheesecake Factory that I'm suspicious of? Yeah. <laughs> Too many choices. Oh, it's a novel. And, and, and whenever a restaurant says, you want some pizza? You go, yeah, I might like some pizza. What else you got? You want some Chinese food? <laughs> uh, All different yeah, genre. Yeah, I guess. Chinese food. What else you got? You want some sushi? Uh, wait, sushi too? Uh, maybe. Hey, how about Greek food? Wait, you've got Greek food also? Yeah. Hey, do you, do you want some uh, Mexican food? Mexican food? Every page is a restaurant. No, and, and the thing is, I always think, what does that kitchen look like? And... The chef must be having a complete collapse, a complete mental and physical collapse, because it's not like, oh, okay, I got to make, it's like, hey, where's that pizza? The pizza's almost done. Yeah, okay, and how about that rod na <laughs> with the spicy crab? Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm a third of the way through the rod na with the spicy crab. Well, you better hurry up. I, yeah. And hey. also, make sure you get the vichyssoise all set. <laughs> And also make sure 
that yeah. you chop the top uh, off that uh, frozen bottle of champagne <laughs> and with a saber. I mean, and if, how can they offer that much? Like if they just focused on a few things, maybe now the you food can tell. Be, by the by the way, now you can tell this is not a paid promotion yeah, for maybe, Cheesecake Factory. I, although I love Cheesecake Factory, and also the wait there is long. So I mean, we're I waiting there so for like an hour and a half to eat there, and that's how long you would wait you know in a why? nice restaurant. You know why you're waiting an hour and a half? Because an ambulance is taking the chef to the hospital and they're finding another chef that knows how to cook 750,000 types of cuisine instantly. That's why. I don't know. Hey, where's our paella? Huh? Where's our paella? I said, I want a pepperoni and shrimp pizza and I want paella. And then I want a flaming bowl of tapioca pudding with haddock on the bottom. And then... I want some Gruyere cheese that's frozen in an aspic wedge. And it's all sitting atop a flaming baked Alaska. Where the fuck is it? I've been waiting six minutes. I want my fucking nine different types of completely weird cuisine. It's true. I love it. And that's that brown insane. bread they serve is really good. Brown right bread? Yeah, they have that brown bread. What? That stuff is good. I'll have a whole meal of brown bread. Well, that would be easier on the chef. If you just came, here's what I'm worried about. I'm going to ask the people listening right now to go to your nearest Cheesecake Factory. And again, this is not a promotion, but I want you to go and I want you to order as many disparate things on the menu as you can. <laughs> Try and find the nine types of food that have nothing to do with each other. Order them all at the same time and say I need them immediately because I'm, I'm due for heart surgery. Because we had this debate about if you went in and ordered one of everything on the menu, how could they possibly do it? Because there's so much. And I asked my stepbrother and he said, we could and we have when they've had no, to your, do it. Your stepbrother's just talking out his ass. I, no, your stepbrother loves. Guy. Your stepbrother loves to go around and say, I work at the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> and guess what? If you can think of it, we can make it Sorry. instantly. <laughs> Sorry, That's Vance. your brother-in-law. Sorry. All right, well, listen. Sony, you're off to the Cheesecake Factory. This is not a paid endorsement. Yep. And, uh, and folks, remember what I said. Order everything you can. And order every single kind of thing and see if they can bring it all. And according to Matt Gorley's step brother, uh-huh. you can. He'll bring it, they'll bring it instantly. Tell whatever you want. Sent you. Yeah. You want caviar, a caviar taco, <laughs> and you want a puffer fish that's sitting inside an eclair, and you also want some spaghetti and meatballs, but the meatballs have to have Russian coins in the center <laughs> of them. <laughs> Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Beckton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.